We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. Welcome to Resilient Schools. I am so excited to have uh, Mitch Weathers on the podcast. He's the founder of Organized Binder, and I want to read his bio to introduce a little bit about him because uh, he's unique and a great friend, and I, I love hearing his story. So Mitch became a gifted teacher because he was a mediocre student. He rarely felt comfortable in the classroom. In fact, it took him seven years to graduate from college. Choosing to become a teacher, Mitch was fortunate enough to experience school as if it was happening all around him. He was unsure how to jump into his learning with confidence. And there is a loneliness to experiencing your education as a passive object as opposed to an active subject. From the moment he entered the classroom, Mitch relied on his personal experiences as a learner. He recognized that what we teach, the content or curriculum is secondary. We must first lay the foundation for learning before we can get to teaching. Mitch designed Organized Binder to empower teachers with a simple but research-backed strategy to teach students executive functioning skills while protecting the time needed for content instruction. The secret is found in establishing a predictable learning routine that serves to foster safer learning spaces. When students get practice with executive functions, by virtue, we set them up for success. Mitch, welcome to the Resilient Schools podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me, Jethro. It's really nice to to be back and, and chat with you. Yeah. So from our conversation, what what stuck out the most to you that people would really benefit from listening to this episode? You know, what sticks out to me is really the, um, the kind of more the, the theme of the, the entire podcast that trauma informed schools and kind of the nexus or the overlap um, with the development of executive functioning in students and that kind of sense of agency and dexterity. I think that's what stands out most to me. I think for schools and educators, teachers who are are passionate about a trauma-informed approach, um, this seems like a a very natural fit. 
Yeah, I agree. It totally does. And I feel like it is something that uh, when when we're doing trauma-informed work, we are putting, as as I read in your bio, we're putting the the learning of content and curriculum secondary to helping them be successful in their life. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like you're, you're taking the same approach. And I think that's really valuable. Tell me about your, your thoughts on the game of life, the game of school type of approach. What do you think about that? I enjoyed that. Um, and I think, I think it's spot on as a way of looking at developing skills and habits that help me again, it's that uh, you read in my bio too, like experiencing something as if it's happening all around me, but I don't know how to like jump in. And, and that's true of a game, game of life, game of anything you put, like there's some basics that I need to know and practice before I can actively participate. Um, And there's just such a, there's a, it feels really good as a learner. And I'm going to say this from my own experience. Um, I don't think I really figured out how I learn until I was in graduate school. And mm-hmm. like you said, seven years undergrad. And then I, I spent some time in the nonprofit space. So um, I know this and I've also seen it now many, many times in students, but it feels really good to have that sense of agency, to know what to do to engage and participate in my learning as opposed to feeling like I'm here. I got my yeah. stuff. I got my device. I got them like, but I just don't have that. It's, it, 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 if you've ever experienced it and increasingly students are um, when they do develop that agency, it just feels good. Yeah, it really does. That is for sure. And you feel, you feel success, even if you don't experience success. And I think right. that's really key also. Um, if if anybody had, yeah, <laughs> I, I just came up something. with that. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. No, the key, one of the things like when students who are struggling, like you, like you said, you're not experienced success. So let's just think of it as a grade level or subject real quick. Um, if, my, if my routine, if you will, or if historically I've failed or I've struggled with this subject, think middle school, think math, think science. And like, I don't like this. You know, I don't like this. I'm not successful. What students need. So the narrative has to change their narrative as well. And the way to do that is what you just said is for students to experience success. That's not tied to content mastery or content understanding or my grades. So part of this predictable routine and this, this idea of accountability, the executive function we were talking about in the episode well, when I establish a predictable routine, I'm going to hold you accountable for engaging in that routine. And when you do, I've now created opportunities for me to celebrate you as a learner for engaging with the learning community, for being a student. And you, all the while engaging in this routine, I'm honing these executive functioning skills. So there's a win-win there. But I've seen this in students they're experiencing success, even though they're not necessarily successful with, at the moment, the content we're learning. Yeah. And there's I, a key shift that happens there. Yep. I like that. And if you've ever <clears throat> competed in a game that you lost, but played really well in, you know what that feels like. And my experience with this relates to when I was in Russia and played a grandmaster in chess 
and did not lose in less than 10 minutes. So I lasted long enough for me to find some success. And that, that makes a huge amount of difference. I knew I was never going to beat this guy, but the fact that I stayed in the game was really powerful. And he had taught me a bunch of things and I applied those strategies and that's how I was able to do it. And um, I remember the first time I played him, he beat me in four moves and, and I learned that strategy. And then I knew how to do that in the future And, but I also knew how to prevent it when I saw someone doing it to me. And, you know, that even if I didn't experience success of winning, I still felt successful because I was able to play at a greater level than I was before. So I, this is a great conversation. You're going to love listening to it. And Mitch, thank you so much again for being here. And we'll get right to that interview here in just a second. Well, Mitch, great to talk to you again. Would you talk to us about what executive functioning skills are and why they're important? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me back, Jethro. Um, The term I like in describing executive functioning skills, um, some schools that we work with uh, coined a phrase, studentness, um, that I really like. And executive functioning, you know, is, is definitely... Um, an umbrella term. And so the, my work really focuses on um, specific skills and habits that uh, make a difference for students in a, in a school or kind of an academic context. Um, so in that sense, this idea of studentness is this, the ability to kind of, I like to think of it as all the, the things students really need to be able to do to be successful um, and what I mean by successful is like the, not, not just like grades or test scores, mm-hmm. but just even the ability and the know-how to engage and step into their, their learning, into that process of learning. Um, and for so many students, I think that uh, they're experiencing school um, much like I did growing up. Um, I was always able to pass or be successful in that sense but I often felt like school was happening all around me my education was happening all around me and so I lacked that that kind of sense of agency of um, that that some students have Um, it seems almost like inherently or naturally but um, increasingly we're seeing that skills formally learned by students on their own need to be modeled and taught for them um, and I think in particular coming <clears throat> as we're easing out of the last two years and whatever that looked like for a school, um, I think we can all collectively agree that there was a, 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 the, at a minimum some interruptions to <laughs> schooling. And yes, then, I was putting <clears throat> it very kindly. <laughs> right. And it's, it, it's left a, a, a fingerprint on, on students for sure. And one way of, um, addressing some of those interruptions or losses or however you want to describe it um, or define it, I really believe I believe it is found in developing and honing these executive functioning skills. Yeah, and on this podcast specifically, we're talking about kids who have been impacted by trauma and what that means for them and how how that works. And the reality is, is uh, everybody's been affected by this collective trauma of going through the pandemic. And as you said, it looked different depending on where you lived and what your family was into. And so many different factors come into this. And one of the things 
that I say all the time is that school is a game. And I tell this to students as well. And it sounds like the way you're describing executive function, executive functioning skills and studentness is to is how I would interpret that is knowing how to play the game of school. And when we when we look at everything in life, work, money, relationships as a game, then it takes a lot of the pressure off and helps us see mm. how those things, you just need to figure out the rules so that you can win whatever that game is. So yeah. in in my marriage, the way that I win the game of my marriage, and it sounds facetious to talk about it like that, but yeah, it's I true. You, like if, if I know that the way I win is by loving and serving my wife and supporting her and helping her live up to her potential, then I'm going to win. And that's actually going to make it better for both of us. The difference mm. is, is that most of these things are not zero sum games, um, right. that they are uh, games where everybody can win. Uh, and there's not winners and losers, but by mm. you winning, you actually help <laughs> other people win as well. And that's kind of how I understand this. Is that, does that translate well? Does that make sense? It does. It's, it's interesting that you, you, uh, that you use that analogy because <clears throat> when I was first, um, we're, we're here talking about executive functions and um, as you know, I've designed this program, Organized Binder, and at its core, it's helping students develop these skills and habits. And when I first um, started working on it, it was for that very reason. I, I was new to the classroom and I was working with students for whom English was a second language. And many of them um, actually were US born, but just kind of mired with historic academic failure, but in incredibly bright and capable students. And I remember one day telling them, I'm like, oh, you just don't know how to do school. It's yeah. not that you can't <laughs> do it or, or you don't know how to play the game. I didn't use that term really, but exactly the same thing. Like, oh, there was more to that in that I think um, you know, the, the educational system that we exist in, in a lot of ways was designed for folks that look like me and you and not so much those students. And they kind of experienced, uh, they, they were viewed through more of a deficit lens than an asset lens. And, and it was really about, okay, how do we leverage your strengths, even though they may look different than the, the kind of power majority, if you will, um, in this setting. So there's more to unpack there, but at a base, it was like, oh, you just don't know how to, to do these things. And so trying to help them uh, learn and, and kind of hone these skills um, made a huge difference, huge difference. And I love this conversation because we're not talking about content. We're not talking about test scores. We're not talking about a lot of what like drives education as a, as a thing or an industry. Um, we're talking about stuff that really moves the needle for learners. Yeah. And, and what I find so powerful is that if you, if you know how to play the game, then you can be successful in it, regardless of how smart you are or how dumb you are or, or anything in between, you can mm -hmm. still be successful. And, and a lot of it is, is about things like being organized and having, um, having a plan and, and those kinds of things. So tell us more about the the tenets of executive functioning skills yeah and i will i will in in one moment but real quick with my <laughs> students when i was first designing it about the game uh at, i grew up playing soccer they all played soccer 
And like, to your point, like no plan, they would show up to school with nothing from the previous day. And And it was just very obvious to me, like you're here most of the time you're arriving to class or school late or things are happening. Right. Um, but we're not making any connections that like what we do today was related in some ways to what we did previously and where we're going in the future. And, but more importantly, like you're just not ready to learn. And they said, would you ever show up to a soccer match and then just take to the pitch, take to the field that because you arrived, like that doesn't make any sense right now. You get there, you get your gear on and you warm up and the other team's doing that. And coach is going to tell you what position you're in and, refs are coming and there's all this song and dance happening but here's the thing you don't even think about it anymore because you've tried it and done it over and over and over again your whole life it's like now into your subconscious but what you do know is when the when the whistle blows you better be ready to play the game for the sake of your team and so what does that look like when learning because i told my students i said it's the same thing with learning, what's it look like for you? And it's slightly different for everybody in some ways, but what does it look like to be ready to learn? And the good thing is, and this comes back to the tenets of teaching executive functions, um, is that I'm going to model that for you every day in class, and it's gonna look this way. And then mm-hmm. and I'll go into that in a moment. But the six executive functions that research has overwhelmingly shown move the needle again, kind of keeping it in that school or academic context um, and that are inherent to this work um, is goal setting, something called working memory, which is kind of the ability to retrieve and hold what I've learned or experienced kind of in cognitive space long enough to do something with it. Um, Really kind of linked working memory is closely linked to my ability to pay attention. And what's interesting is working memory is finite. So the more we tax it, um, and we can talk a lot about that. um, And we will actually, when we talk about the three tenets, um, and let's say it in the positive, the the, the less we tax working memory, the the easier it is for students to pay attention and actually grasp what what we're trying to teach and, and what they're trying to learn. So goal setting, working memory, Time and task management. How do I create a plan and stick to it? How do I keep a calendar? Let's just say uh, organizational skills, accountability, and self-regulation are the six um, skills that that the the research has shown really move the needle for students. But um, what I found now in well over a decade, fifteen years probably, there's three key things to teaching executive functions, and it's being Uh, hyper explicit or clear so clarity about what we're doing Um, modeling the use of them for students and establishing a predictable learning routine and that doesn't have to be classroom based it doesn't have to be a traditional brick and mortar which is which is i think pretty interesting but just being very explicit and and the two parts of being the way we be explicit is i'm modeling them for students by virtue of engaging in a predictable learning routine. And the nice thing about that, because teachers, I've I've never met a teacher or a parent who's like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want my kids to have those skills. Goal setting, no, I don't, you know, or whatever. Like, of course, everyone's, you know, a teacher has had this conversation many times now where 
you know, oh my gosh, this is everything I know I need to be doing. And I just, I don't have the time. I've never got around to doing it. So there's a time crunch for teachers because let's be honest, if I'm a fifth grade teacher, I'm, I don't have enough time to get through everything I'm, I'm tasked with teaching in the first place. Right? That's true. Or, or pick any grade level or subject. We always have a time crunch. Um, but also there's a zone of genius aspect to it too. Like, hey, my, that's my domain. Like I teach fifth grade. This is, this is my world. Um, yeah, I want my kids to <clears throat> develop these skills, but I don't necessarily feel like I'm the expert in, in teaching those. But the beauty is, and I really hope everybody hears this, executive functions are not actually taught in a traditional sense. The way I like to frame it is they're not actually taught, they're best learned when students see them explicitly modeled and they get practice employing them in a no stakes environment. So it's not, it's okay to, to, to get it wrong or whatever. It's not gonna negatively impact your performance, um, but I get practice with them uh, by virtue of this consistent or predictable learning routine. So what that does is a couple of things is it frees teachers up. They're not actually teaching it and they're modeling it. <clears throat> and the model that we've always used in my work is a simple binder. Mm-hmm. And so I can say like for my students, what's it look like to be ready to learn in my class? And for me, that was also like, what's it look like to be on time? Because you're all late and we're, yeah. we're losing we're just hours of, uh, of teaching and learning time by virtue of how long it's taking us to get started. So I could model for you very simply what we're doing, but this routine, this is what it looks like to be on time. This is how we transition. This is where I put all my stuff. This is how we conclude. I can, I can communicate all that if I'm modeling it without words, I could just show them. But by virtue of that routine, students get practice with their working memory, their setting goals, they're learning to keep a calendar, they're learning to organize themselves. So that's, that's the point. They're doing these things and it's, it's powerful. Well, and it's really the things that we actually want kids to learn. Like we have some legislatively mandated things that kids have to learn, uh, math, reading, things like that. But to be honest, we need them to get to a basic level in those skills. And then so much of the rest of their life is based on their executive functioning skills and how they can manage these uh, these aspects in the other parts of their lives. Is that is that an accurate statement? One hundred percent. I mean, I think we 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 know that, and we also know that they don't like fully kind of coalesce until you know mid twenties or something right in there. But my belief, and I've seen this with students now because I've, I've been doing this for so long the sooner or the younger that they just get exposure to some of these skills and habits, the more likely they are to make them their own. But even, even to your point of this is the stuff that, that's makes for success in the game of life that you're talking about. It's these, these kind of core principles of these skills and habits. And I would argue Jethro that the, the workplace is evolving and we know certainly the pandemic has accelerated that in some ways, but increasingly, unless it's a very specific career or job, um, employers are saying, look, we want people that we can shape and that we can teach the specifics of this, whatever it is, company or job. And so they're looking for 
employee and people to employ that have the suite of executive functioning skills. And even if it is like I'm I, a nurse, I'm an ER nurse, you have to have the same set of skills, even though the education you have is very niche or specific to, to what you're doing. So they really well, are. Well, the way I phrase it is they, these executive functioning skills lay the foundation for learning, whatever you're learning. It's yeah. just the truth. Yeah. And, and we give a lot of lip service to, um, to like creating lifelong learners, but then we don't do the things that actually will enable them to be lifelong learners. Like if, if, a if a person knows what it means to be ready to learn, then when they have an opportunity to learn in the future, in whatever setting, they will know what things they need to have in place to have that happen. And this 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 seems so simple and yet we still struggle with it right 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 why why is that i don't know i can t- <laughs> i can tell you i've spent a lot of time like it, it, when i you know got in the classroom and, and prior to being a, a a teacher i was in the nonprofit space working with middle school and high school age kids um and i got into the classroom and and the good thing for my students is I was a mediocre student at best growing up. And I, like I mentioned before, and this is kind of Ferrarian thought of like, you know, some students are experiencing learning and education as a passive um, object. And the, the real work, the call to action is how do you help them transition to an engaged subject? Like I'm active, I'm part of this. And there's a loneliness to sitting in a classroom or in whatever learning environment and like, nobody wants to fail. Like, I want to be able to do this. And if I don't even know how to, like we're saying, how I learn or how to engage what that looks like, um, there's a loneliness there. And you're kind of like, well, it's like just happening all around me. Um, And so when I got in the classroom and I saw that, I was like, wow, it doesn't really matter. And I'm fortunate. I, I'm, a, I'm a high school science teacher. That's my what I do. That's fun, right? We can light things on fire. We can blow stuff up. We can go yeah. outside. We can cut open frogs. We can do things that are engaging, right? I'm not, I'm sorry, math teachers, but like, you know, I'm not saying, well, today we're going to learn how to divide fractions. Right? Yeah. That's, <laughs> you've got to be a little bit more engaging than, than, than in, in science, right? But it didn't matter. It became clear that oh, what we're learning is is secondary, not less important. But if we don't have this foundation, what what are we doing? Why are we spending all of this time and energy and money funding on tech books and even technology? And I would say it's like we need to get serious about building this foundation. And I'm so happy to report to everybody that the pandemic has seemed to there's been a collective shift to this is important. And, you know, there are gaps that uh, occurred during the pandemic and there's a widening of equity and achievement gaps that were pre-existing. There's no question about it. And just speeding up like the idea of, wow, this kid kind of more or less, you know, appears to have missed a year of math, let's say giving them two math classes instead of one is not going to solve the problem. I just don't believe that's the case. If we can develop their, their agency and, and I like the word dexterity as a learner and really 
hone those skills and habits, we can start to make up some of those gaps mm -hmm. um, as we respond to this. So, and, and I, I do want to say one thing before I forget in terms of trauma-informed schools, and we can put it in, in the notes of this if it's helpful, but there's, there's interesting research, new research out of Stanford University, that the part of the brain that uh, kind of where executive functioning is happening, like the processing of it, um, there's a, a link between, um, uh, I wouldn't say I'm battling against the word, but um, helping with um, anxiety, depression that can be linked to uh, trauma that came about from like significant events. I'm not saying mm -hmm. this very well, but AKA okay. they're looking at the pandemic and young people and the part of the brain. And they're seeing that there's a, a connection between um, kind of mitigating some of those depression and anxieties linked to the trauma of the pandemic through the part of the brain with executive functioning. It's fascinating. And it's, it's mm -hmm. a deep dive. It's not a casual read by any means, but um, for anybody interested in, in trauma-informed pedagogy or trauma-informed schools, I think looking at executive functioning as part of that work um, is important. Well, the, the idea of self-regulation really encompasses all of those skills, right? Of like if yeah. you can if you can regulate yourself and know that you need to be organized and have time and task management and have accountability and all those things like and you can be aware of that that makes a huge difference and yeah. so one of the things in the three schools that I helped become trauma informed excuse me that we one of the things that we looked at was how do we help kids be in control of themselves of their minds and of their bodies rather than letting the trauma or the anxiety or the depression or the suicidal ideation be the one that is in control. And mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Stephen Smith, who is the um, founder of treatmyocd.com, uh, which is uh, OCD is this really fascinating thing that I've been learning about for the past few months. And the same kind of things exist is that if you, if you can be in control of whatever, challenge disability trauma whatever it is if you can find a way to grasp that control so that it's you being in control not that thing running your life then you can you may not be able to ever overcome it but you can manage it and you can control it and you can let it not dictate your life which is is so important and and as i was saying in these schools that where we we helped make them trauma-informed, what we saw was that kids who could start having these executive functioning skills were able to make better progress in dealing with whatever was going on in their life that was causing them challenges or grief or whatever. And like, it's not a, a magic bullet. It's not a, a pill that fixes sure. everything, but it is right. something that helps them see how they have control and can be more successful. Now, this is something also that adults uh, are not perfect at, right? And so can you talk about how you're helping adults with this very specific problem? Yeah, yeah, it's well said too, because oftentimes in, in a training or a webinar or something, it's you hear the adults in the room go, oh my gosh, 
I wish I had this when I was in, in yeah. school. Like, whoa, this would have made a huge difference. And what we know is these skills have been just left up to chance. I mean, and I, 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 there's, I could quote you research around that, but I have like my own personal data points in that, for example, every talk or training I've ever given around executive functioning, when we get to like planning and time management, you know, keeping a calendar and all of that, I always pause and I'm working primarily with educators, but I always ask the same question, raise your hand if some caring adult, when you were a young person, took the time to show you how to maintain a calendar. And I've, I've asked that question to, I don't know how many thousands of people now. And <laughs> I, I think it's one, maybe two, but I know for <laughs> sure there's been one person that, yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like almost everybody, you, you know, it's, you you have figured it out. And yet what we know is that, <clears throat> um, increasingly young people are not just picking it up as they're going through life. And so yeah. the onus is on us to, um, to kind of teach that. But the truth of it is because this is a predictable routine, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about is, yeah, I want to learn how to teach executive functions for the sake of my students, right? That's what I'm doing. But the way it's done, the modeling of the explicit modeling and this predictable routine is all done through, through the teacher, right? It's coming through the teacher. And so what I, the conversation I always have with administrators, school or district or network leaders, um, it's charter is saying like, we can talk all about what students are going to develop. And I can, I can literally just show you that. But the truth is this organizes your teachers. This is for the adults. Because mm -hmm. this is this is key, Jethro. <clears throat> Lots of adults struggle with executive dysfunction. It's not a young person thing, right? It's a human thing. And <clears throat> for students who lack or have uh, you know struggle with some of these skills, when they find themselves in learning environments um, where the teacher is also struggling with some of those same things, it just exacerbates it for students. Totally. Right. Totally. So getting a teacher and it's, it's, it's not to be negative, but I'm always kind of shocked at how desperately teachers need this work. Like the clarity piece for them, but also for the, just for the sake of their students. So it, it's actually all about adult work. Yeah. And then it's, it's trickling down to the students. Yeah. Well, and I, I want to go back to what you said about, it is, it's a, it's not about teaching the skills, but it's about setting up the situation for them to be able to learn it effectively. And, and I think that is so powerful. And to be clear, David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Hyatt of the Full Focus Planner, these guys have made millions of dollars teaching adults time and task management, just that one thing, right? One and, thing, right. and so it is, it is definitely a skill that adults need. How, how are you helping adults learn this, especially in a school setting? Um, what it specifically looks like is ideally in-person, but also virtual trainings. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing comes down to modeling. So we're going to establish, um, when, we, when we come in and talk about how to teach executive functions, um, it can't, it, you know, 
it can't just be like, well, give a kid a planner and they'll learn how to manage time or give a kid a binder and they'll learn how to organize themselves. It doesn't work that way. It's true. So <clears throat> the whole key is the modeling. And as, as simple as that sounds, a simple, affordable, recyclable, three ring binder, the mandate if you're really serious about teaching these is that you maintain a class sample binder. Now there's a nuance here. The lens of that is so I'm modeling it for students at all times. This is what it looks like to be organized. Um, our work is all color coded. So it's like, here's not just what it means to be on time. Here's what it looks like to be ready to engage with this learning community. Um, and if I'm, as I'm going through this daily routine, which by the way, is just the first few moments and the last few moments of the school day or the class period, freeing up instructional teaching learning time, right? This is not impede on academic freedom at all. And it can't because people have jobs to do and they're, they're hired to teach and they weren't well, hired to teach executive functions, right? And, and as you <laughs> said, it's not about explicitly teaching executive functions like the first thing you do is this, this, and this. No, you just mm -hmm. model it, and then kids learn that. And what is so important also is that time and task management can be done, as an example, can be done in a million different ways. So can self-regulation. All these skills can be done individually as however that person needs it to happen. But what's important is that they understand that they exist they see how someone else is doing it and then they adapt it to what works for them. So for example, and that comes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. For example, having a physical binder for me, I know does not work, but if mm. I don't have something in my digital calendar, it does not happen. And right. so if I want right. to make sure that I do a certain thing, I put it in my calendar to say, this is what I need to be doing at this time. Yeah. And that's you iterating on, that skill, because you and I both grew up in a time where there wasn't a digital calendar, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the whole point with like start. And we don't, you know, there's, there's questions of analog versus digital or blending. <clears throat> what I've seen with, with students is just practicing these skills in the analog. Practice writing this down so that repetition of goal setting, time management, organization, once I, like you're saying, I see it modeled, I get practice with it, ideally every day. And then I can start to kind of have that wherewithal to make it my own. And what is interesting, back to working memory, when I make it my own, so this, the, the, the language would be that it moves into my subconscious. Like I just, I got this now, like you just said. If it's not on my calendar, it just doesn't exist. So everything that matters will end up on your calendar. You don't even think about that. It just, yeah. so you just do it, right? But if you've never been, if I've never seen that, you've never had that experience, um, you may just not realize how important that is or even know how to do it if you wanted to. But if I've had a chance to see it modeled, and I've had practice doing it, I can then iterate on it. I have that, again, back to that agency, like this is mine now. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to make it work for me. And that's, that's what's really interesting being in this, 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 this game for so long. There's now students, in fact, I'm meeting with one tomorrow, a student that went to a school that used this work where they were serious, it was, it's all through the organized binder side, but it's all about learning these executive functions who, 
said like, I, I recognized even in, in school, this is what's making me successful. And now as a teacher, been four years in the classroom, I'm utilizing all of these skills and habits that I learned and saw modeled back when I was in school. And I want to bring that to my students so I can start to help them be more successful. Um, but it all happens through the modeling and getting practice. Like you said, mm -hmm. by creating the environment for me to just learn these things. And that's that explicit piece. Um, one of my favorite books is by Lisa Delphut called Other People's Children. Um, and it, I would say her thesis is that which is implied or that which is implicit. Uh, educators need to make explicit. And another way to think about it is don't make assumptions about what students can do, right? You can't yeah. back to that. I've, I've had this conversation with teachers over the years, like, well, I gave them a binder or I gave them a folder or I get whatever it is. And look, yeah, they're just a mess still. And it's like, well, okay, that's a good start. That's kind of, let's, we could look at that through an equity lens. Let's provide the materials that then we can model and you can give them practice with it. And it's pretty, I mean, nothing short of powerful, maybe even magical when students start to, to experience that sense of agency. And there's a, there's a Dweck part to all of this with, you know, mindset work where students start to see themselves differently within a learning or schooling or academic context. And that her work is saying, you know, the view we take of ourselves has a more profound impact than just about anything in our ability to, you know, in life in general. And so when I start to see myself as like, a learner, a scholar, like I can do this. Um, it's not just because I got a good grade on a math test. It's not, it's these skills and habits. And you asked the question, like, you know, why aren't we all doing it? And I said, I don't know. Um, it's nice to be in a place now, 10 years ago, if I said, you know, non-cognitive factors are really important or executive functions. <laughs> yeah. people would be like, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there'd be some that are like, yes, like, I'm in, I'm a hundred percent in, I, I want to learn this. Now it seems like, you know, I can say from personal experience, schools that are reaching in, you know, to uh, organize binder are of all types, mm -hmm. you know, private, charter, public, uh, non-seat based, like all over placing our students need these basic skills and habits. And they're not basic. I shouldn't say that these foundational skills. And yeah. I, I do think foundational is the right word for that. Um, so uh, how, how does a, a teacher or a principal or a, uh, even a student who's listening to this, um, how do they, how do they learn more about this? What, what would you say? How would you help them uh, learn more like right away? The most immediate way to learn more um this last year, I, I hosted a five-part webinar series on teaching these executive functions. Um, and I'm going to do round two of that starting in January, totally free, um, one per week. And what we're, the, 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 the structure will be looking at those three tenants each time, because it's so important. Being hyper clear, hyper explicit, what's it look like to model? and then establishing a predictable learning routine, which by the way, side note, um, I am absolutely convinced that predictable learning spaces are safer 
And when students consistently feel safer or find themselves in safer learning environments, uh, they're more likely to take risks that are inherent to learning. So we can talk about executive functioning, but <clears throat> there's other things that start happening with being explicit modeling and establishing a predictable routine. But we're gonna review that and then I'm gonna take kind of a deep dive on each executive function in these, these short webinar series. That would be probably the most immediate. Um, and that's starting this month in January on the 25th. I don't know if I said that. So I would love for people to check that out if they're interested in that. Um, we have a course as well called How to Teach Executive Functioning in Any Classroom. Um, that's available and would be kind of like all in one. Like I wanna know this now and, and dive in. It's about a two, two and a half hour course, all async, complete with certification and you can even get units if you need continuing education units. Um, or just reach out and we can have a conversation. <laughs> yeah, so um, the website is organizedbinder.com slash EF for executive functioning. And yep. I would definitely, is that right? Make a, make a note, if you want to um, RSVP, grab your seat for the free webinar series, that's it. Just organizedbinder.com slash EF as an executive function. Um, if you wanna check out that course, same thing, but instead of EF, it's go. Uh, organizedbinder.com slash go. And then okay. you can also just go to organizedbinder.com and there's a bunch it's, of information about executive functioning there too. Yeah, very cool. Well, I definitely encourage people to do that. Um, I've known you and known your work for many years and it has helped my family personally. And I thank you for that. And, um, mm. and I hope people will check this out, organizedbinder.com slash go. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE.